I was doing some research recently and I was shocked to learn that a tendency towards romantic obsession and limerence might be genetic or have a genetic component. Maybe, but based on all the hundreds of letters I get, the background stories about abuse and neglect in childhood and particularly the presence of an alcoholic parent, like the pattern is so similar that I'd have to say that my theory is that there's a certain type of trauma that produces limerence and obsession. There's a connection between that sort of childhood with super neglectful parenting where a child had to dance around for every bit of love they got and a difficulty later forming loving, mutually committed relationships with people who are emotionally available. Limerence is the word for a sort of romantic obsession that's more like an addiction. It, it thrives when you can't have the person. It involves a lot of thinking about them and um, maybe stalking their media, trying to see are they giving you a sign they feel the same way. But limerence can't really keep going unless it's a little bit out of reach, unless there's a strange mix of unobtainableness and hope, just a little bit of hope. And if you find yourself thinking, thinking and thinking about like, how could I tip my hand about how I feel about this person without actually tipping my hand about it? That's limerence. You don't want everything to come to light because if it ends, then you've lost your source of energy and hope. That's what limerence is. It's an addiction to a strange kind of hope of something that you can't really have. The thing about obsession and limerence is that they thrive when you're in a bad place, when your needs aren't met, when you're isolated or grieving or chronically stressed, this is when, if you have a propensity to get limerent and obsessed, this is when it comes and gets you and can consume your life. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Daniela, and she writes, Dear Anna, thank you so much for your videos. I'm 24 years old, an entrepreneur and performer, and still discovering myself in this world. Last year, a tragic situation happened in my country, the war. I'm from Ukraine. And at the beginning of the war, I had to flee the country and stay at my friends in Berlin. I was lost and emotionally torn apart from the atrocities in my country. On top of that, I only started emotionally processing the death of my father. I lost less than a year ago. I was going through a lot of things at the time, and I felt very old and uninspired, and nothing made me happy, and the everyday reality checks through the news were burying the last leftovers of my bubbly personality. I was devastated. Until I met one guy through Tinder, and his name was Hugo, and we casually met at the park one day. We liked each other and had a connection, followed by a kiss. We were both funny witty, passionate. One date followed another, plus everyday chatting made me feel excited for the first time in a while. I felt alive. I liked him. He seemed to be interested in me too. Although when we were planning our third date, his frequent online availability surprisingly disappeared. He even highlighted it by text one day with, I am sorry, I'm bad at texting. And I was confused to hear that because over two weeks of knowing and texting each other, he never gave me an impression of the person who was bad at texting up until that moment. The worst thing that could have happened, happened. When I felt like he was slipping through my hands, I immediately started chasing him. 
Over the next weeks, I was simply raving about him, fixating on memories I'd created with him, and constantly fantasizing about our next dates. That came to fruition largely due to my feisty nature and his over-politeness and protrudent sense of guilt. Protrudent. He didn't want to meet with me. I know it. He answered my text messages rarely and even canceled one of the dates because his friends were in town. I know these are real signs that a person doesn't want to hang out with you, but I was so blinded by this obsession, I wasn't behaving adequately. I simply couldn't help it, couldn't control myself. The real life events I had to face were too unfair and cruel for me to handle, and now I understand that I had limerence for Hugo as a way to escape from all the news, the war, the death of my father, and new life in a new country. I just wished instead of spending all that time obsessing over that guy who was a bit dishonest with me. One time I told him that I like him and want to keep hanging out with him and his response was something along the lines of, I want to see you again and I would have texted you and invited you out next week because this week is busy. Well, guess what? Next week, he texted me and invited me out, but then canceled it last minute because his friends were in town. I was journaling, meditating, trying to find peace and happiness within myself. I do feel like I stole time from myself and gave my energy and affection to the wrong person who didn't deserve it. I feel like I'm in the last stage of accepting this situation as a lesson to learn from, but I can't help but feel sad for the time I've wasted. Is it okay to feel like that? How do I move on from the situation once and for all? Thank you. Okay, Daniela, oh, I just have so much feeling for you. So first of all, anything that happens weird in your life right now, after all that you've been through, having to flee as a refugee from Ukraine, and the loss of your dad, and you didn't mention this, but presumably you don't get to have all your loved ones in your life right now. They're not with you in Berlin, I presume. Friends, um, family, you know, whoever it is that were your support people there, how hard would that be? You know, it's one thing to move to another country, a new language and everything to do that. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. You're 24. It's an age where sometimes people do that for happy reasons, but you're doing that for the least happy reasons. So you basically had to flee to this other country. And I'm not surprised that with the news and the bleakness and the way that nothing makes sense and, you know, COVID happened, so much has been going on. You got depressed. So when you say you felt old and uninspired and nothing made you happy, and the everyday reality checks with news were burying the last leftovers of your bubbly personality. You were devastated. You bet. That's totally normal. I just totally grant you space to have your feelings about that and to feel depressed about it. It's depressing. I'm impressed and proud of you that you went on a date and you went on a date and here's what happens. If you had childhood trauma, like you didn't talk about what happened in the past, but you watch my channel. And actually, living through a war as you have, even if you didn't have trauma as a child, you can develop complex PTSD as a, re as a result of chronic, intense, ongoing stress, right? I'm just going to assume you have CPTSD. And so a date can feel like the greatest bright spot you ever had. And I don't blame you at all for investing a lot of emotional energy into it because you liked him. I mean, how often does that happen, right? That you meet somebody that you really like. And I can, I can imagine that you 
could suddenly see like life could be better. You could have this person close to you. You could be loved. Maybe it would lead to more. Maybe you could stay and, you know, never have to go back to this war. And I, I just, I feel you on this. Perhaps what happened is limerence, but this is such a good example of the way limerence can get in when everything else is terrible. You know, I, you must have been feeling really alone. So you had two dates and everything was going really well and you were excited for the first time and you felt alive. And that is, that's what it is to have a crush on somebody, to fall for somebody. It makes you feel alive. When it switches into limerence where you're having this, I gotta make it work no matter what, even when you feel somebody pulling away, even when they have pulled away and you can't stop thinking about them, that's also your quest to feel alive. So I want you to respect that part of yourself. It needs to live in color. It needs to be alive. And you know, you're dented and bruised and hurt and you're, you have so much loss that's happened and so much anxiety about the future, I should think, right? With what's happening. Like as I record this video, the war is ongoing and, um, and nobody knows what's going to happen and it doesn't sound very good no matter what. So when you were planning your third date, you started feeling him pulling away and he um, texted you and said, sorry, I'm bad at texting. And then he said he would talk to you next week and you probably counted the days. And then he said, well, his friends were in town. So this is what I want to tell you. Something happened that may have had nothing to do with you that made him like you and then go, I don't think, I don't think I want to do this or I'm not sure. It sounds like he wasn't sure. And he was trying to pause. He was trying to pause and not pursue it. But most people, if they have a heart, they don't want to hurt anybody. And I think that men are particularly like this, where they will, instead of telling you, look, I realized I don't have that feeling for you, which ultimately is why anybody breaks up with another person or stops seeing them. It's just, they're not feeling it, right? It may not have anything to do with you, but they just don't feel it. It doesn't happen very often. For one person to feel it is a miracle. For two people, it's like lightning striking twice, you know? It's a big deal if both people feel it at the same time. And so, as you're dating Daniela, you're gonna, you know, they call this kissing frogs. I don't think he's a frog. I think he was trying not to hurt you. He just, he lost interest and he didn't want to hurt you. And you feel embarrassed because you kind of pressured him to have two more dates with you. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, I'm reading into it, but he probably, you know, he had empathy for you. He knew you had been through a lot. He didn't want you to be hurt, but he realized by trying to date you, like there was no way that he could not hurt you and he needed to just stop. So that's what happened. When you say he wasn't very honest, I think that that's, that's where he was coming from. He didn't want to hurt you. And I don't think that that's the same as somebody like getting in there negatively trying to manipulate you. Now, I don't know him. I don't know exactly what happened, but in a way, I just want to reassure you, he was an okay guy. You did well. The person you liked was a good guy, but it just, it just wasn't reciprocated. And what happens with limerence or in your case, you know, when there has been a whole lot of crisis and no matter what, like while this crisis is going on for you, while you're not healed from the past and why would you be, it hasn't been that long while you're going through that, it creates kind of a pressure, you know, like a tornado could form there. And it's a lot for somebody to take on. Like it has to be a really amazingly special relationship, you know, to overcome the fact that one person is in, in a whole bunch of trauma right now. 
And so the best thing you can do is to not be dating right now, to keep healing or date lightly and to, you know what you might want to do, Daniela, is take my dating course because it helps you make really good use of it. Your, your fear is that you're, you've wasted your time. You have not wasted your time. You're living life. You're having a life experience of like loving and losing. You know that saying? It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And to date somebody a few times and you know, have it not work out, you, you will be able to heal through this. You will be able to heal through this. What's making it so hard is that huge deficit in your life of security and love and people around you. So those are your goals right now. You need security, you need the love of friends, and you need people around you. And security is financial and security is um, just knowing that if you're having a really tough emotional time, there's a space for you, there's people you can go to, and you'll get what you need. And so when you have more of that, you, you want to have tools. You want to have tools. So this is go, this is why I brought up the dating course. When a relationship has ended, it's this perfect, magical time where your awareness is really great. You know, when you're in a relationship, it's sort of like it puts you to sleep a little bit. When your heart is broken, whew, you can feel it, you can think again. And this is a really good time to learn how to do something new in your romantic life. So that's why I suggest to you my dating course because it teaches you to get very clear about what you want. And um, what you want is presumably somebody who's just as into you as you are into them. So when somebody's not into you, they actually are not, they're not a good person for you. And so we end up focusing like, why, why, why couldn't I have them? But the fact is they can only be a good person if they are into you. So it's kind of hard to see it when you're heartbroken, but he was no good for you. He didn't have that to offer. Of course you need that and you deserve it. And you shall have it too one day. You just need to keep healing what you've been through. I don't know if you're gonna stay in Berlin. This is gonna be a time of change and adventure and uncertainty. And I encourage you strongly to find tools for healing that suit you, whether that's a 12-step group, a therapist, the program, my membership program, and the dating course, the coaching. These are all places where you can go to get tools to change your life for the better, to start working on that trauma wound. And then to find, and this is, this is a very important thing, to find other women who are walking that healing path with you, who you can be friends with, who you can hang out with on Saturday night, who you can call when you're feeling torn up about what happened or you're feeling like you're gonna text him again and give it one more go to try to convince him. I know you don't wanna do that. I know you know that ship has sailed. So you don't wanna do that. And sometimes you need a friend to kind of sit with you and cheer you up and take you to the movies or for something nice to eat <laughs> to help you ride it out and ride out that sad feeling. And the best kind of friend, I think, are the ones who use the daily practice, the writing fears and resentments and releasing those. That's like a great reason to get together with friends if you have people who also do that. And I happen to know there are lots of people in Berlin who do that. And you can hang out and meet with them, use your daily practice, maybe have them as a buddy where you read what you wrote sometimes. Buddies in the daily practice, they don't give each other advice. They just give each other a witness. They're like, I heard you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yep, that sounds hard. Yeah, I've had that happen too. They might say that much, but they don't get it. You know what you have to do. We don't do that in the daily practice. You just have room to sort of release and say what it is, what all those fearful, resentful thoughts are. Um, after you've asked for them to be removed and enjoy the relatedness of being with people who get it and, and all of you are still here and laughing together. So I wish you well. I hope the war ends very soon. I 
Um, hope you meet somebody who loves you intensely and fully, just like you love them before too long. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.